Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast, where we choose to recover out loud by sharing our personal stories of inspiration, hope, and triumph. Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. We are proof that recovery does happen. Joy and laughter may be involved. This is the Recovery Hour with Lori Winfeld. Hi, this is your host, Lori Winfeld. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to not only a friend, but an amazing recovery coach. And can't wait to get into everything that she's doing for the recovery world. Carrie Kelly Wright, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh I'm my gosh. So I'm so glad to be here. And I'm so freaking excited. Me too. And nervous. Okay, good. I know. Okay. So for our listeners, um, hey, Carrie and I both are nervous Nillies, literally yes. have done online meetings for 8,000 years since they mm-hmm. started. And every time we get on, we were both like, <laughs> and sweating. Yep. So here we are. If you hear heavy breathing, <laughs> that was so gross, by the way. <laughs> oh, dang. Um, okay. We're going to get into it. I'm just so excited. So let me just sort of give a background of, of our relationship real quick. And so Carrie and I, went through a very specific portion of training when we both were getting our certification to become recovery coaches that was done virtually. So I live in Reno, Nevada. You're out in the Carolinas. Yep. Asheville, North Carolina, just outside of Asheville. So for our international folks, that's basically one end of the country and the other end of the country. Yep. And we just met each other in, in real life recently, which was so amazing to finally get to squeeze her. Now the class, I just keep cracking up because I feel like if we were in live classroom, like Carrie would be at the front of the room, just, you know, taking notes. And I'd be in a back throwing like little spitballs at her going, Hey friend, let's party. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it was like, I just felt this like comfortable sort of welcoming Mm -hmm. vibe in the square on this course that we were taking. And, um, I just fell in love with her immediately. And you're going to hear why once, uh, she starts telling her story. So do you have, do you have a memory of interacting in that class? Yes. (laughs) I have a memory of you being super class clown and I loved it. (laughs) Because you made me laugh, 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 which was so fun. And yes, it was, um, it was our first experience with really kind of coaching people. And so we were both nervous Nellies, as I remember, and it was just kind of fun to kind of hold each other in the background without anybody really knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. It It was was fun. Well, and I think that's something that we, we talk about as being a coach, like the intuitiveness, you know, Mm -hmm. some people have the ability to do that in person or not, you just, exactly. you just know. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I've always loved with you is just being able to connect, which just delights me to know that your business is exploding about connection and with women. And it's just so cool. So thank you for being amazing. Thank you for having me here with you. I know this. Why the hell did it take so long? I don't even I know, know, but here we are. I know. What are we doing? Probably because you're nervous and I'm nervous and we're both like, we can never do this. That's right. I just assumed. Either way, it's happening. Thank the Lord. Here we are. When I say the Lord, I mean like whoever or whatever you think about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here we are. Um, Now, woman in long-term recovery. Mm -hmm. Before we get into the business side of Carrie Kelly Wright, 
what and how did you get here, girl? Where'd your journey start? Lord have mercy. That's a big question. Um, my journey um, in the recovery space started in 1993. I stepped into my first AA meeting in 1993 after a very gentle and loving sort of family intervention. Um, oh, so I, um, it's interesting as I think back over it, um, I had a fairly long spell of recovery then almost eight years, but I want to say that, um, as I look back now, 30 years later, I was sober. I was not recovering. I was sober. So I was abstaining from alcohol, but I wasn't doing the work. What I've learned over the years is that uh, this is one of my favorite things to say, and everybody who knows me has heard it, is um, my belief right now today is that our healing is rooted in our pain. And in those early years, I didn't know or have um, the ability to go into that space for myself. And so what the reason why I want to say that right now is because that knowing really um, aligns with my coaching practice now and how I help to lead other people. And there's a couple of ways that I have come into that knowing. And um, so anyway, I had those eight years and then I kind of floated back and forth with some short-term sobriety here and there, but still just struggling to get away from alcohol. And um in 2014, September 26, 2014, in a drunken stupor, I reached out to my siblings. And I remember what I said to my sister, Christy, who was the one that answered the phone. And I said, I have two choices today. Either I'm going to die by drinking myself to death, or I'm going to go into residential treatment. Wow. And I'm getting goosebumps just saying that out loud. My sister came to my house. She picked me up. Um, she drove me to her house. And I um, spent the night there because it was in the evening when I called her. And she spent the whole night with my other. I have four siblings, all sisters. I'm the baby of five. And so they spent the night trying to figure out where I was going to go the next day. And um, we found a place in Atlanta, which was where I lived at the time. And we got to that place and I started doing an intake and they were doing a medical intake and they found my blood pressure was so high that they would not even let me get off the table to walk to the car to go to the emergency room. They called an ambulance that came and picked me up and took me directly to the emergency room. Wow. Were you feeling yeah. that physically? Not really, but I think it, I mean, the bottom line, it was alcohol induced high blood pressure. Mm. And so they took me to the hospital. They um, treated me there. I was probably there for two or three hours. And in that two or three hours, my siblings found a different place to take me, which today I see as divine intervention, mm -hmm. lack of a better way of saying it. Um, and so Long story short, by eight o'clock that night, I was sitting in the intake office at a Christian women's residential rehab. And for those of you who don't know, I'm a lesbian. So as I found myself in that seat talking to the intake person, I um, 
felt a little fear, obviously, mm-hmm. and I felt it was necessary to speak that truth. So I told the woman that I was a lesbian and she said, you're going to want to keep that quiet. <gasps> no. Yes. And I, I love the response that you made because the first response I had was the same thing. That said, what I learned very quickly was that I had two choices that day. I could choose to stand for my sexuality or I could choose to stand for my life. And that day I chose my life mm. and I put my, my sexuality sort of onto the back burner because what I felt then and what I still believe today is that that was it was not necessary for me to stand in the truth of my sexuality. It was necessary for me to save my own life. And that was more important at that moment. That is huge self-awareness. Yes. Huge. And so what I did was I did what I needed to do to stay alive. And um, I stepped into a 90 day program and within two weeks, I knew I would not be leaving after the 90 days. I had already decided that I would stay. Um, I would stay to work there if they would allow that at that point. I was living in a rental in Atlanta. I had a 15 year old child at the time. And basically, I literally boxed up my entire life and shut it all down. I gave the car back to the bank. I called my sisters and had them take all my belongings out of my house. I let my daughter go to live with my ex and I rehomed three animals that I loved dearly. And I just really literally left a life behind and went to build a new life. Wow. After the 90 days, I invented a job for myself and (laughs) sold it to the person that was running the rehab. Of course I began to teach and uh, lead meetings and learn a lot about um, God. I'm going to say God and not religion or church, because my belief is that there are a lot of people in this world today that are wounded around religion and For many years, I struggled with connecting to my higher power, which for me is God. Much of that was around my sexuality and being Mm -hmm. told that I could not um, be loved by God because of my choices. Over the years, I have just developed my own relationship with God that is not connected to any religion. Mm -hmm. It is mine and mine alone. And one of the things that I believe is that we can do that. We can just create what it is that we need. And um, we don't need anybody else to tell us how to do that. Amen. Yeah. Um, So I stayed at the rehab for about two years. And it was there that a couple of things happened. The most important thing that happened there was that I found out that you could be a recovery coach. I didn't know that such a thing existed. And so I um, actually found out about the place where I trained, which is IAPRC, and um, actually was looking into that when I was shout out, shout out to Jean and Cheryl. Yes. Yeah. So that was when the little seed got planted, so to speak. Um, I graduated from that program. Gosh, it was, let's see what's, let's see what year that was. It was 14. So 
I've been a coach now for a couple of years. So it took me about six years before that actually happened, right? Before I actually became a coach. As I've started coaching and working in the coaching business, I've, I just realized a lot of things. And that the biggest one is that all throughout my life, I have been prepared to do this job, right? Everything I've done in my life has prepared me for this job. I am, um, I have a degree in psychology. Um, I have been a teacher. I was a teacher of special needs children for about seven years. I spent about 15 years as a nanny. So I have raised lots of children, most of whose were not mine. Thank goodness. That's the way Um, to do it, girl. Yes. Yes. The ones you can give back. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, I really feel like my own issue around addiction has also given me a lot of experience to work with other people in this arena, especially women and, um, certainly women who are from the LGBTQ plus community, as well as women who are older in particular, because I am older. I'm 58. What? Um, Yes. You're just a youngin. You're just a youngin. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like I'm this. So this September, I will be eight years alcohol free. Yeah, um, I know. Yay. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. So there's a number of things I've noticed over my time in the recovery space. And one of those things is how important it is that we have connection. Mm-hmm. And I believe like Brene Brown speaks that Um, the best kind of connection that we can have is really, really vulnerable connection. And so that's what kind of rolls circular around to my idea around um, the fact that I believe that our healing is rooted in our pain, because when we can get into that pain, especially when we can go there with others, that we can find healing there. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the the foundation of my work really is to um, go ahead. No, I'm just thinking one of the things that is immediate when you meet Carrie and you probably already have fallen in love with her listening is just that the vulnerability somehow is so quickly gained with you. I, and it's, it's a gift that not everybody has. And so I think that was something that I recognized when we were in that class together again, across the country in this little square on this little TV, but knowing that, oh my gosh, I could feel just the comfort of this person. And, and, and that was such a great feeling. And to see you then for the years now through your, uh, recovery and life coaching group, which is so exciting. One of the things I wrote down that you just mentioned was about connection and and your approach to coaching and helping others in recovery is healing and growth mm-hmm. and nurturing and connections. And one of the things that you say, I would love for you to expand on is to illuminate your inner knowing. Mm-hmm. If you work with me, we will illuminate your inner knowing. And I want to say some people are going to be like, well, what the F does that mean? Mm-hmm. And others are going to be like, yep, that totally happened to me. I'm mm-hmm. in between. Cause mm-hmm. I know you and I know what I think it means mm-hmm. and I'm kind of figuring out, but I don't like to know that I know. And that's mm-hmm. what's happening here. <laughs> yes. You're hitting the nail on the head right there. Yeah. What I'm going to say is that for me, inner knowing is sort of a combination of things. So it is truth. It is my truth. It is my divine essence, which in 
in my mind and in my truth is partially my higher power. So it is my truth. It is my higher power, what I call God within for me. Um, Yeah. So for me, when I say go to your knowing, which is something I say often with my clients, what I mean is go into your truth, go into what you know within. And I believe that so many of us look for the answers to our problems outside of ourselves. Yeah. And what I have found is the answers are not there. The answers are within. Mm -hmm. The answers are within. And I would add to this and not sure that, you know, divine essence is something that I would ever say, but I do love the spin that you put on words. You're just like a Mm. freaking poet. (laughs) Is it like intuition, right? Like Mm -hmm. knowing like, you know, there's that Mm -hmm. gut feeling that we talk about Yes, or "Mm, I don't think this is the right decision. Mm -hmm. Like listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't run away and go ask Susie Q next door. Like, what do you think about this? Like you already know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do we do? What have most of us done all of our lives? We've used alcohol, drugs, and other behaviors to stay away from the knowing, right? Because the knowing is also where all the things that we're afraid to look at are, right? Like the pain and the suffering, the trauma, all that's down there too, right? Yeah. And so it's not just like a, you know, spring day walk with the flowers and the rainbows. There's some shit down there too, right? And so part of the work is going into the deep, deep stuff and finding it and then walking through it instead Mm -hmm. of trying to walk away from it or hide from it. Isn't that the truth? Having to feel right. It's like a blessing and a curse. (laughs) It's like a blessing and a curse. Like, oh, I'm sober and I'm not using any sort of substance to uh, numb the pain, but I'm Mm -hmm. also now having to feel it. Yes. And I would love for you to maybe go into that a little deeper earlier, you said, and some of our listeners here are probably very early in their recovery and Mm -hmm. perhaps don't know what, what we mean when we say do the work. So earlier Mm -hmm. you mentioned I was sober, but I wasn't doing Mm -hmm. the work. And when I was first sober, I didn't know what the hell that meant. And of Mm -hmm. course now I'm close to however long, I think it's the same as you, which is cool. Mm -hmm. I don't even know. No, you're a year ahead of me. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that none of that matters, obviously, again, if you're counting days and you're like, oh my God, it's my 15th day. That's Mm -hmm. fucking amazing by the Mm -hmm. way, because every day is amazing. But I remember being so obsessed with that time Mm -hmm. and looking at my tracking. And now I'm like, is it been five years, six years? I mean, you know, sooner or later, thank the Lord in heaven or wherever you go. I I keep saying that I'm like, I'll freaked out about religion now because you are so like divine (laughs) essence. say God, I'm trying not to offend my friend. Um, doesn't offend me at all. I know. I don't know what's happening to me, but I get weird and just start wanting to like, not say certain things. And then I want to take it back and I can't, and I could go back and like re-record this, but I won't do it because we're being vulnerable and authentic and people are going to hear our true conversations. I have no idea what I was actually talking about. Um, so we're going to move on. We're talking about being back at the beginning and what it means to do the work. I love you. I got you on yes. track. You sure do. So Let's see, yeah. You want me to do it? You want me to do it? You want me to go there doing the work? Um, I so just think for pe- people that again, you know, like early sobriety, mm-hmm. and then and frankly, like we we talk about a lot. Recovery isn't always just sobriety. Exactly. You know, there are so, so other people listening are mm-hmm. recovering from 
from multiple things. It doesn't have yes. to be substance use, but yes, doing the work versus mm-hmm. being sober. Doing the work um, is about looking at the truth and looking at the things that the substance or the behavior has been keeping you from. No, I don't want to do that. Right. Most people say, nope, I don't care about that. Bye. <laughs> I'll stop but, drinking wine, but I'm not touching that shit. Exactly. So um, people, t- a lot of people in recovery talk about peeling back the layers of the onion and that's the kind of a fucking onion, yeah, man. Yeah, and that onion, bitch stinks. Yes. The onion is a big deal. And the truth is that for me, the truth is that when we, when we really allow ourselves to connect with the truth inside, which is the stuff we don't want to see. And sometimes that truth is our own, our own behavior, our own truth. Right. And sometimes it has been put upon us by others. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to look at all of that and we have to, we have to, we have to reconcile to a certain degree. We have to reconcile that. And here's another thing that I really strongly believe after, you know, two years of doing what I do for a living is that trauma, most trauma happens in relationships. And so it makes sense that trauma is healed in relationship. Mm. And so when we build those relationships, those connections with others that allow us to go into those places that are so painful and be held there, by other people, it is there that we can heal. It is there that we get to start to see what it is that needs to be looked at. And we start to share those things with others that we begin to find healing. Mm. And that's the work. That is the work. That's the work. If you're interested in help doing the work, that is exactly what Carrie does. Mm-hmm. Amazing group of women that you have put together through my greatest weakness. I'm going to talk about in the second two. So my greatest weakness is Carrie's coaching company, recovery and life coaching. You have a soul discovery group coaching mm-hmm. circle of connections, mm-hmm. the shame circle, and you mm-hmm. also do individual coaching. Now I'm saying run, don't walk. If you are interested in any of this work that we're talking about and sort of the inner healing, because if you haven't already figured out, um, Carrie's a healer right? That's just what this is. That's just what's happening is you connect with somebody that understands how to get that stuff out of you. And, Mm -hmm. and that's your gift and to be able to do that so comfortably. But I want to talk to you about, I remember when you were, when you were doing the website and like coming up with your, my greatest weakness, I thought was the most brilliant name for your coaching practice. Tell us how you came up with that. Well, what I've realized over the years is that my greatest weakness has always been alcohol and that my alcoholism is what has led me to my greatest strength. And my greatest strength is my ability to um, lead others to find connection with self, others, and divine so that they can find their way to healing. That's what I believe needs to be done. That's what I believe needs to be happening. And Lori, I just want to touch in on you calling me a healer. And I love that word and it feels really powerful. And what I want to say is my job as a coach, if you want to call me a healer, I'll take it. But what I really want to share is that my job as a coach is to help you find your own healer. And that healer lives within each one of us. We are our own healers. We just need help finding our way. 
I can't hear you. That's because I muted myself. <laughs> Isn't that fun? What's That's going really on? We fun. can't, we can't hear the <laughs> podcast host. Oh, she's muted. <laughs> I, I want to say thank you for, uh, for mentioning that because yes, we labels are all, you know, such a thing and, and you mm -hmm. experienced that in your life for so much. And I want to go back mm -hmm. to that too. Okay. So thank you. I, mm -hmm. I heard the message and labels just came up in my head and maybe want to go back to you mentioning being a lesbian earlier. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, we, we, we went through pretty quickly your, your story about the mm -hmm. Christian and then the, sh and the tell mm -hmm. us more about that. I want to get a little deeper into that because I know that that's part, very big part of your journey. Yes. Okay. Um, so the way I found myself through the treatment was just to give that my truth about my sexuality to those who I felt like needed to have it. And there were very few people that I did that with. Um, the truth about my life and the labels and the way that my sexuality has affected my life is that for much of my life, I have been labeled and I have been, um, I've had my share of harassment and places and times when I didn't feel safe because of my choices. Mm -hmm. um, I have, am raising a child now and have raised a, an adult child. Um, and have had moments when I've been afraid, both for myself and for my children. That sucks. Yes. So it's um, so fucking maddening. Like it's so maddening. Yes, yes, it is maddening. And so today, you know, that's one of the reasons why when I, I, I really struggled when I started my business to, to show up as all of who I am, mm -hmm. which is, is, you know, ultimately what I've done. And what that means is that I am, you know, a woman who is in long-term recovery from alcoholism. I am a lesbian woman. I am a mother. I am uh, a coach. I am a teacher. I'm a woman who believes in God and has a relationship with God. And, you know, some of those things, some people might look at and go, Ooh, right. But the truth of the matter is I don't want to work with those people. Right? <laughs> I want to work with the people who want what I have. Yes. And I want to work with the people who don't judge me for who I am. Right. And so when I started my business, I just put my whole life out on the internet. And mm -hmm. today that's how I stand. I stand in the truth of who I am in every way. And that is how I stay in recovery. And that's how I stay sober. Um, I embrace every bit of who I am and I don't let anybody tell me that any of that is not okay. That's so beautiful and so inspiring. Thank you. Yes. You have helped so many women get to a place where they're comfortable standing in who they are mm -hmm. and being the person they deserve to be, which is themselves. And so thank you so much for all the work that you do. So my greatest weakness really came from, it, it really is your greatest strength at this point. Mm -hmm. You were able to make it, which was, <laughs> I just love it. It's just like, again, back, you're like a little wordsmither and tell us about your practice. Now you do individual coaching, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, one-on-one -on -one with Carrie would be so cool. I might have to look into that because a coach needs a coach, you know? Yes. And then I want to know a little more about your soul discovery group coaching. What is, what is soul discovery group coaching about? Mm. 
All right. First, I want to start by saying that my, my main client audience is women, both cis and transgendered women and non-binary individuals who identify with women's communities. So if we got um, any fellas out there, you're not invited. Yeah, sorry. Mm, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so my oh, self-discovery wow. groups were kind of born from the idea that I wanted to be able to offer coaching to people who might not otherwise be able to afford it. Okay. So it began as a way to get coaching to more people who needed it Mm. um, in a kind of a less financially taxing kind of way. Um, The reason why I call it soul discovery is because um, the idea of these small groups is that we find our way to our knowing. We find our way to discovering who we are, our soul. And we bring that to the group. And these groups have just turned, they've gone way beyond what I thought they would do. And um, that's beautiful. I started my first group in August of 2020. And that group just came apart. I think it was February or March of this year. So they were together, started as a six-week group. And almost all of the groups have gone into what I call ongoing. So Mm -hmm. we just keep going until... We don't have enough people to keep going. And then we just start over with yeah. new people. Yeah. And that's where the connection comes from. You mentioned it yes. earlier. And sometimes yes. we just don't know we need that. Exactly. And when your tribe and your people and mm-hmm. those you just allow yourself to be yourself with yes. aren't around, it's not fun. Exactly. I can see how that just kept going. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have one client who called it a weekly checkpoint because we meet once a week. And so we go out into the big world and all the people that we don't get that intimate connection with. And then once a week, we get to come to this place where we can just show up exactly as we are, knowing that no matter where we are, we will be held there. And there's just something so special about that. And so, yeah, that's pretty much how the groups have unfolded. And um, it's been pretty powerful. Oh, it's so powerful. I see you with other women and I have participated in, in some meetings that you have held with community. And it's just so special when you find, when you find the right person to sort of hold that space and lead you to your knowing, as you say. Mm -hmm. And so again, thank you for that. I am, um, thinking about the times spent now that we are opening back into the world, you know, this past Mm -hmm. year, we've been spending more time in public. We've been going out. I'm like, I forgot what the real world was like, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was in our little women recovery community bubble, Mm -hmm. helping others, helping ourselves. And like people suck (laughs) besides everyone listening (laughs) to today's podcast. Everyone here listening Mm -hmm. and you and I are fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. Everyone else sucks. (laughs) Big donkey balls. Like the world is coming to a fucking end and I'm freaking out. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I want to talk about politics and I'm not usually one to go there, but something big happened and it's, it's changing literally the structure of our lives Mm -hmm. and we have children. Yes. Tell me, what are your thoughts? And tell the listeners what I'm talking about. The listeners know what you're talking about. Camping in Nevada. Camping in Nevada. I, just so you know, just so you know, camping is allowed here. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. 
we're not talking about camping bitches. We're talking about abortions. Mm -hmm. So if you need one and it needs to happen safely and correctly Mm -hmm. in a state that allows you to do what you want with your body, Mm -hmm. come see me. I will fucking help you. I'm so mad. I'm going to calm down. And you tell me what your thoughts are with your little one. You have a little one and Mm -hmm. you're going through, I mean, you already have like these other things that you have to deal with Mm -hmm. in the sense of being a lesbian woman and what your rights are. And and Mm -hmm. like, (sighs) yeah, I think I feel like a lot of women feel, and that is, um, gosh, I think the the biggest thing that comes up for me right now is I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in a lot of people. Um, I'm afraid. I have a lot of fear. Um, what scares you, Carrie? What is the fear? What like what's popping up that you're you're considering fear? Um, fear around this topic for me looks like um, women being out of control of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I work really hard to help women find control of themselves, so it's it's kind of disheartening to know that so many of us now feel out of control. Mm-hmm of ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and of everything outside of us. <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, what's most important right now is that I do what I need to do to take care of myself mm-hmm. in and around this issue. And one of the biggest things for me, and I think for a lot of women in the recovery space is um, protecting ourselves from too much exposure to all of the negativity that comes along with this. Right. That can be traumatizing to a lot of us. And so I'm really watching the amount of TV I take in, the amount of social media I take in, those kinds of things. I need to be prepared and ready to hold others. And so if I let all of the things outside of myself kind of bump against my own um, field of awareness, and um, then I get to where I can't be functional. Right. Right. So I have to protect my spirit, which means being really careful about what I let pass through Yeah, and holding myself available for others who need help with that as well. Yeah. What does this look like for you back to being a lesbian woman? I mean, this is the first thing for us as women Mm -hmm. that collectively share that title. Yes. And then there are women that have different rights Mm -hmm. than you do. Well, I think, I think with any, with anything that affects one group in particular, um, I think all of us have to be paying really close attention. Yeah. Um, and so that said, I think that, that any of us who are in a minority, which is a lot of us, mm-hmm. um, we need to be standing with one another. Yeah. We need to be standing with one another, because if they're going to do it to me, they're going to do it to you and to you and to you and to you. And so to me, it is a time to unite. It's a time for people to come together Mm -hmm. and to support one another. And my hope for what is happening in our country today is that it will be, um, I I, I hope that it will be a catalyst for Mm. great change in this country, because I feel like it is a decision that has rocked our world. And it is often those kinds of decisions that really make people move. Yeah. And so my hope is that that's what will happen here. Yes. I love that. Unite. Now's the time for so long, for so long. And I, and I've seen within our 
again, community of recovery and, and women is, is knowing that it's okay to support another woman. Yes. It's okay to collaborate mm -hmm. and not try to, you know, compete. Yes. And we were taught for so long and still these sort of things are happening to, uh, you know, sort of brainwash us to believe that we should be against each other in some way. And mm -hmm. so I am so totally supportive of everything you just said and just completely agree. Women now is the time to unite. If you had a, if you have a uterus, we are under siege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are under siege and like, let's figure this out. And frankly, you know, this is a great conversation starter in the sense of if anybody wants to hop online and go to the recovery hour Facebook page or to my greatest uh, weakness coaching page and, and just talk about it. How are you feeling? What are some solutions? I know that there are women out there that are just doing the work when it comes yes. to this and finding out who it is we can talk to and write letters to and how we can maybe change these sort of things from happening continuously in, yes. in our country here in the U.S. And so for those of you in the international seas and lands and not here, thank you for listening to all of that. And uh, uh, can we come visit soon? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, yes. how much longer do we stay here before we just like up and move to somewhere like Switzerland? Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I picked that because I have zero idea what's going on in that land, but it's not mm -hmm. what's happening here. I love your face so much. Tell me um, anything that I did not touch on that you wanted to, um, maybe that you were freaking out about today. She's going to ask me about this. No, I, I, I don't have anything that I was freaking out about that you were going to ask me about, but I do want to touch back in on the circle of connection. Circle of life. Yeah. So the circle of connection. <laughs> I love how you just baby. deal with me. I love it's how you my newest baby. Um, the circle of connection. Let's get it together, yes. Lori. ADHD. Boop, 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 boop. Here we go. So the circle of connections is a, it's a new joint venture that I have come into with Bronwyn Thorburn, oh, Bronwyn. who is also another uh, recovery coach. And we did a shame circle recently on um, shame around um, disordered eating. Okay. And so what we decided together, we, we had a really good turnout for that circle and it was a really good circle. And so what we decided was that there was a need in our community and the recovery community for a group that focuses primarily on substance use disorder and disordered eating mm. and or disordered eating. And what we know, um, I can't give you statistics at this point, but there are a large number of women who have both of those issues. Interesting. And so we felt like it would be helpful to give those women a place to speak their truth and to share and to connect. And so we've created an online community, which includes a private Facebook group. And then we will meet with these folks once a week together Oh, um, I... to work through some of what all that means, you know, some of all of the, the trauma around that and the, right. the pain around those things and how we step through those things. That's my newest baby. And it's my most exciting baby right now. And is it I'm, your most exciting circle of yes. connections? Yes. Where can any of the listeners of this podcast today find information about circle of connections and any other wonderful things that you're doing with yourself? You can go to my website, which is mygreatestweakness.com. 
And all of this stuff is listed there. It is. And it's beautiful. You've done such amazing work. I'm so, so, so proud of you and so happy to see all of the advancement you have done with your coaching practice in the last few years. It's just beautiful to see the growth. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. All right, my friend, uh, my greatest weakness.com is where you can find Carrie Kelly, Wright, And Mm -hmm. I am so grateful for you being here and for our listeners listening again, and I'll talk to y'all next time. Thanks, Lori. Love you big. Love you big, bro. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfell, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. Just go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I've been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.